Yo, what is going on, guys? It's been a long time. It's me, two days in a row, Macklin. And this is episode 28 of MacBook Pro. So, yesterday I went for a 32-kilometer uh, slash 20-mile training run in the sun. It was great. I really enjoyed myself. Um, you know, it's it's fine once you commit to doing it because you know that there's no turning around. And one of the things that I do uh, on all of my training runs is I, I pick a direction and I go that direction for one half of the run. And this way I don't have any temptation to go home because I used to do a lot of running around my neighborhood and it's difficult to get the miles up when you're running locally and sometimes it can become tempting to just turn down a street that you know will eventually lead you home and then you lie to yourself and say oh well I'm just going to pass my place but I'm not going to go in my place and then eventually you find yourself cutting your run short to go home and make yourself a sandwich so anyway yesterday I I ran about an hour and 45 minutes in one direction. It led me 10 miles outside of Berlin in farm country. And then I turned around and I came back home. And it was lovely. And today is Sunday already, which means tomorrow is the beginning of the work week. And I think we have a three-day weekend next weekend, which is exciting. So, yeah, uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, I'm starting my own business, so I'm about to make my own hours, which is really exciting for me, and I'm just excited, I guess, by the entire idea that a Tuesday could be, could feel like a Saturday. You know, maybe on a Tuesday, I just don't, I don't feel like working eight hours, and I say, okay, today I'm going to, you know, do a little bit of work. And I'm going to spend the rest of the day exercising and hanging out and going to the movies. And then maybe that means like on Saturday, I'll do a little bit more work to make up for that. But the point is, there's going to be a lot more flexibility in my life. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really eager. Um, I have about five more weeks left of work, I think. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I just want to finish out really strong and know that I crushed it because, yeah, yeah, there's really just not a lot of time left. All right, so what else is happening in my life? Well, on yesterday's training run, at around mile 15, I went to a gas station and tried to get some food and uh, they didn't have any fruit or any like good snacks. 
So then they pointed me to the grocery store next door and I went there and I was literally just grocery shopping while, you know, wearing all my running stuff, knowing that I still had about an hour left to run. So I grabbed some snacks and I stuffed them into, uh, well, I paid for them and then I stuffed them into my hydration vest and then I started running again while I was eating my snacks. I must have looked really cute or like an insane person and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was super difficult at, at, at certain points, but I mean, the whole reason that I go one and a half hours away in one direction or one hour and 45 minutes is that there's no option but to keep going. And it does, you know, it does help psychologically when there's no way to turn around. So yeah, that was yesterday. And now today is like one of the warmest days in Berlin in the, in the past, like, I don't know, eight months or something. And what I've started to realize about Berlin is that you really only get May, June, July, August, and September, and some of October for good weather. And then the rest of the year is pretty much shit weather-wise. Um, but that's why I guess it helps to have some of the best clubs in the world here. And if you like techno, then you would definitely like being in Berlin because the clubs are muy bueno. I'll tell you that. Uh, so what else? What else is happening? Um, so recently I have come across AI music. If you didn't know, people are now making music with AI and they're actually creating completely new songs that sound like they're being sung by your favorite um, artists. So I was listening to AI Drake over the past couple of weeks. I've been listening to some of AI Drake's albums. <sighs> they are incredible. It's insane. Um, just go to YouTube and type in AI and then your favorite artist's name, and there will probably be music that your favorite artist did not have anything to do with making, but sounds exactly like them and has good lyrics, which is just crazy. So yeah, there's that. Um, that's been really entertaining. And it, it makes me wonder, like, what is the world going to look like in five years from now? Is Drake going to be competing with AI Drake? Are people going to see AI Drake perform live? Um, I know that there are certain uh, celebrities that have already turned over their likeness, like the rights to their likeness to certain companies. I think Bruce Willis did it. So I guess we're going to see a very strange world in the next five years. And I kind of feel bad for creators because it's difficult enough to come up with ideas and then to actually implement them well is its own other thing. And now with AI It'll create the idea, it'll implement it just as well, if not better than the actual artists themselves. And it just means like there's less room for creativity. So yeah, I'm really surprised. I guess a lot of people were surprised when they found out that there would be a huge application for creative AI. You know, the, the talk used to be that AI would replace the blue collar workers and put them out of jobs. And now it's like, well, nobody is safe. 
I feel like the only jobs that are really, truly safe would be founders of companies, salespeople, extremely talented developers. Mm, I guess the C-suite in general. Um, for now, product managers, because somebody needs to like, uh, you know, push these project, uh, push these products in the right direction and oversee the teams and stuff. But we talk about this all the time at work and like, it just seems like lower level developers and, you know, people in finance and operations, a lot of their roles are going to be outsourced to AI because AI could probably do it faster than they can anyway. And it'll save the company's money as we're heading into a recession. So yeah, I'm, uh, I am very curious to see what ends up happening with that. And, you know, as I'm starting this company, it's obviously like a very tricky time on a global scale with the war in Ukraine and the financial doom, uh, the impending doom of like markets crashing and AI and yeah, uh, obviously it's a, it's an insane time in general, but my feeling on the matter is that it's probably the best time because it's only going to get more and more and more and more, um, I guess more and more automated over the next few years. And it's probably best to like figure out how to position yourself now against AI rather than wait until AI has a stronger foothold. So maybe I guess the point is try to figure out how you can live with AI rather than competing against AI or losing to AI. And that is kind of my goal for like the next couple of years is just see how much I can utilize and where I get the most value from it. And then continue to develop certain skills that I think even if AI is capable of doing the combination of all my skills will still make me a come uh, will still make me like um, dangerous I guess I was gonna say a commodity but that's not not what I want to become <sighs> so yeah it's a Sunday afternoon I'm talking big big subjects over here just trying to think of, you know, where, where life can take us. And, you know, one of the things that I wish already is that I had a co-host or a guest that I could bring on the show. And it would be amazing if I could pretend to be a guest, like if my impersonation skills were that good, that I could have a conversation with someone else. But unfortunately, I don't know how to, to impersonate someone or to like, yeah, I, I can definitely create a character, but it might be difficult to keep up throughout the entire podcast. So I'm probably not going to do that anytime soon. I did put an ad out for a co-host or like a, uh, I should say for a guest on eBay Kleinanzeigen, which is a uh, classifieds app here in, here in Germany. And some guy responded and he seemed like he had a screw loose 
and I really want to have him on the podcast, but he lives like three hours away and he doesn't want to, um, you know, come to Berlin for this. So I'm just trying to figure out how to do it and we'll see, we'll see where I can, where it can take me. Um, maybe somebody who lives in Berlin that listens to this might want to be a guest on the podcast. Um, but until that happens, it's just me talking to myself. It's been 28 episodes of me doing that. And it's not getting old yet, at least for me. So when, when I was still using dating apps, which lasted for about two months, I had my podcast on the dating apps and I started to have like women reaching out to me from dating apps saying like, Hey, I just listened to your podcast. Um, I'm on episode three. I really like this, blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was interesting and really nice, but also it like really threw me off because I didn't know like what to talk about on dates. It almost felt like because I put the podcast out and women were listening to it, if I went on a date with them, I would feel like I was repeating myself almost. And so I started to get really quiet on dates and just like not really know um, if I was, I, I wanted to just assume that they had listened. If they told me that they listened to an episode, I just assumed that they had like, you know, listened to more. And yeah, that was, that was strange. I actually got rid of all the dating apps about three weeks ago or four weeks ago. I'm not really sure when, but they were so time consuming. Oh my God. Dating apps are so, they're just so demanding and they're addictive. They really do feel like social media in a lot of ways. And that is tough because I don't use social media except for LinkedIn and I have like the weakest Twitter game you'll ever see. And so having the dating apps was like, it really felt like I had like Instagram or something because yeah, LinkedIn is like way too professional. Um, and the dating apps are like much further in the, the realm of like uh, informal and kind of like raunchy or sexual or, you know, just like super personal depends on like who you're talking to, obviously. But yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot to handle. And now I'm off them and I feel, <laughs> I feel somewhat sane again. But man, I realized like the dating apps did have a huge impact on my desire to start drinking again and to just like start going out again. It almost just like, like I was at a place where I had not drank at all for seven months and it was fine. I was really enjoying it. And then once I went back on the dating apps, I just found that I was like constantly seeing girls drinking and kind of missing that feeling of going out and meeting women. And so I'm not blaming the dating apps, but I will say like there is a very strong force that comes from our own desires as humans to be considered suitable mates. And I know that women experience it and men experience it. You know, women are constantly being told, 
how to dress and how to look and what men find attractive. And men are also being fed like the same messages about like, you know, having to have a certain muscle tone or dad bod, um, you know, certain career aspirations, a certain amount of money in their bank account. By the way, I'm about to pour some coffee. So if you hear this noise, it's not me peeing. Okay. I actually don't even know if the microphone's going to pick up that noise. So that's kind of awkward. But yeah, I was not peeing. This is me drinking coffee now. Mmm. All right. So, yeah, dating apps. They are a lot of work. I guess I guess one can call them a necessary evil, but I am hoping that we as a society kind of go back into a place where people meet each other in a way that works a little bit better than dating apps tend to. I think the problem with dating apps is that you skip a bunch of steps that make dating so exciting in the first place. Like, you know when you meet someone in person and you don't get their number or yeah, I guess like you meet them in person and you don't get their number, but you think that they're cute or you do get their number, but you don't text them, you know, a, a crazy amount. It kind of like unwinds really slowly. To me, that is the quintessential experience of like, of dating, of like long-term dating that turns into something super serious. It's it's when you both have enough time to f- to create these ideas of the other person and those ideas can really um, influence how the relationship, like how, how strong you become, how strongly attracted to that other person you become. So like to give an example, when you're a young kid and you see someone in school that you have a crush on and you don't talk to them, but they're in one of your classes, so much anticipation builds up because you have these like natural limits, like the fact that you don't have their number, the fact that you don't have the confidence to go approach them in class. Um, they live in a different house than you. Uh, school is only Monday through Friday. And all of those like natural restraints build so much anticipation. And so if something ever does happen between you and that person, it's like fireworks times a million because you're just, you've just like imagined it so many times and then it finally happens one day. And I feel like that's the thing that dating apps kind of screw up. It's like we don't really have the same attitude with dating apps. There's really nothing that's like too uncertain about dating apps. Like if you're on a dating app and you're actively on the dating app, then it's, then it can be assumed if it's a romantic context, it can be assumed that you're looking for a romantic relationship of some kind, whether it's a one night stand, something more casual, or if it's like a more serious thing. And when you approach people in, in real life, you actually don't know if someone's in a relationship or not. And that adds like a certain level of like uncertainty. And it's like, whoa, what'll happen, what would happen if I asked her out? And that's always a a good, a good, uh, I guess just like 
a good part of the experience is the not knowing because your brain just forms an idea of them that you kind of use as like a narrative over the course of the relationship. So yeah, me and dating apps are done for now. And uh, I guess the next stage in my in my career, my dating career, if I remain single would be speed dating at the local senior center after bingo. Yeah. Anyway, um, if you guys didn't know, I have like the cutest dog and she just like lays on the couch and watches me podcast. So she really supports me. And I like to think that she enjoys the episodes, even though she's asleep as we speak right now. And her tongue is hanging out of her mouth. Yeah, she looks so fucking bored. And I wonder if I should use her as an ex- an experiment, like, um, to determine whether or not people would actually find this podcast somewhat entertaining. Because if I should use her as an experiment, I'm clearly failing as a podcaster. Like, she is asleep. Like, I would say 80% of every episode. So... Yeah, that is uh, always discouraging to see. Um, so about a month ago, I became a three-year-long Berliner, which has been a cool experience for me. I remember when I first left the United States, it was in the middle of COVID, or the beginning of it, I should say. And I just remember, you know, desperately wanting to escape and finally make my dream a reality of living here in Europe. And... Now that I've been here for three years, I do have moments where I just completely forget that I'm living in Europe because in Berlin, a lot of people speak English and that definitely throws me off a bit. And plus in New York, it's a very cosmopolitan city. So you just have a lot of international people anyway, especially when I was working at Google, there were just so many people from different offices in different countries that I didn't really feel like I was just, you know, someone some person like some normal person working at some quote normal company so yeah that has been uh quite eye-opening for me what's also funny is that one of my best friends who i used to work with has been living in new york since i think last august and he just met one of my best friends from new york i've been trying to get them to hang out just because i thought that they would get along well So they finally did hang out and my buddy sent me, one of my buddies sent me a video of them hanging out and playing a drinking game together. And I thought that was so weird. (laughs) It's like my, my worlds are colliding and I feel like, like some kind of like cartoon character in a crossover. Like when Timmy met Jimmy, um, I don't know if you guys know, fairly odd parents, Timmy Turner and then Jimmy from Jimmy Neutron, but yeah, they had a crossover episode. That's how it felt. It's just so bizarre. And um, <clears throat> I think I'm going to go back to, to New York at some point in October because I really want to experience American Halloween again. I really miss it. It's like, It's like the one thing about the United States that I miss. I mean, obviously my family and my friends, but it's the one cultural thing that I miss about the States. What like really blows my mind is now that I live in Germany, I do feel extremely safe. Like 
even though there's a war that's happening like a couple of countries away, I just don't feel, I don't feel like, um, I don't feel fearful. I used to have this fear, especially like after I moved and then I would like visit the States again. I used to have this fear of coming back because I would be afraid that I was going to get arrested for something or that I would be shot in like a mass shooting. And that's always something that's on my mind in the States. It just like, it really like, um, it bothers me a lot that I'm so afraid of the police in the States and that I'm also so afraid of like mass shooters. So let's, let's kind of like jump into both topics on the topic of the police. The thing that's weird about the police in the States is that they are very like militant and at least in my hometown, very strict. And if you get caught with, you know, even something minor, you can still get really, really screwed. Um, to give some examples, like, I guess like a good example would be speeding or texting and driving or, or using drugs, right? So, um, speeding and texting while driving, I think that they are both very dangerous behaviors and that they should be, you should feel afraid to do those things. That's just my feeling. Um, because you're putting other people's lives at risk, right? So, they are still kind of minor, depends obviously on the severity of the situation. I mean, texting and driving is to me, you know, no matter how you do it, it's dangerous. But, you know, if you go five miles over the speed limit, that's not as bad, obviously, as going 20 miles over the speed limit. But doing drugs, this is the one that always gets me in the States. Somebody decides that they are going to put something into their own body and then the police have the ability of saying, hey, you just put this thing into your body or you're carrying this thing with the intent of putting it into your body. Now you're going to go to jail because you violated a crime. Like you've committed a crime. You violated your body, <laughs> I guess. And that person might go to jail for years because they were going to put something into their body, into their own body. So it just like blows my mind Every time I'm in the States, like I'm not going to the States and like using drugs or anything, but like I still have these flashbacks to when I was a kid and I always had like weed on me, not a kid, but like 18, 19, 20, probably until I was 22, I would always have weed. And luckily I was poor, so I didn't have a lot of weed, but still I had enough where like I would have definitely gotten, gotten in a lot of trouble um, if, if I had ever been caught with it. And it's not a nice feeling, you know, to think that like the police are kind of looking at you like you're guilty until proven innocent. Whereas in Berlin, I go to the clubs all the time. You know, there are people with drugs. There are people that are high. Um, there's a lot of music that's playing super loudly. And I never worry that the police are going to come to a club and start busting people for using drugs or for the music being too loud or something like that. It's almost like they're here to protect us if something goes wrong, but they're not here to like go after us proactively. And that's the problem that I have in the States is like, I'm just constantly looking over my shoulder, like waiting to get busted for something that I didn't know I was doing wrong. So yeah, 
that always that always gets on my um on my nerves a bit and it just makes me a little bit worried and that's the police right so like they're getting paid to protect us but they just act so in my in my hometown they just act like such assholes and i've had episodes on here where i've like told all the stories of the things that i mean some of the stories of the things that i did when i was a kid and just how the the police are in general in the hamptons but man they are really aggressive so now let's go to the other side uh, of the of the story which is like citizens who have guns that use guns against other people like innocent people i never think about guns in germany i make a lot of gun jokes sure but i never think about guns in the the way that i do in the states like in the states i'm always looking for exits we had a training at google once where we were kind of informed of what to do in a live shooter drill or like a live a live shooter um situation and one of the things that you're told to do when you enter any room is to look for the exits immediately and to just know where they are in case something does go down and ever since we had that training now i just like look i just like have like a tendency to look for exits but i don't feel like I need to do that in Germany because I don't feel unsafe here. But in the States, like I'll go, you know, to uh, to grab food at a restaurant or I'll go to a gas station and I'll start scanning the room to just see how I can get out of, out of the room if something like crazy happens. And I feel like that's really an un, like psychologically unsafe way of living your life. Because you, you kind of just start to act like you're prey, like you're a victim, like a, like a victim waiting to become a victim. So if you're listening to this and you live in the States and you also kind of feel fearful and you might want a change of scenery in your life, just move to Europe. It's really great. I mean, I can only speak for Berlin, but I know some people that have lived in other cities and I know people that do currently live in other parts of Europe and that are from the United States and mostly everyone that I've spoken to has uh, has said that they enjoy being outside of the States and I don't blame them. It's so much cheaper to live in Berlin. There is just such an easier lifestyle here than there is in the States. But I was listening to or I was watching a Mark Rubelet video the other day on YouTube and he he's incredible. And he was playing outside, um, at a park, I guess. I don't know where the park was, but he does these live streams where he makes music in front of crowds of people. And it kind of made me miss New York, but really it only made me miss a very specific kind of New York experience, which is being outside in the summer in New York with music playing somewhere. I used to live near Thompson Square Park. I only lived there for like a month and a half, but it was so cool because in the summertime, sometimes there were there were rock bands playing in the park, and I always found that super interesting. So, oh, sorry, sorry, guys. I'm channeling my inner nudie, my dog. But yeah. 
I guess that's the only thing that I really miss about being in New York specifically is is the live music and the music scene in general. But I still don't think it's as good as Berlin is because Berlin, you really do feel free. And the music is very much an extension of the city and not something that's like counter to the culture itself. In New York with, with live music, it always does feel like it's countercultural in a way that if you got caught, the police would, like you would get in a lot of trouble. Like the police are going to check for permits. They're going to check for alcohol consumption. They might like pat people down for drugs. I don't know how it goes, but it just, it seems much more like militant than it does here in, in Germany where you can just like go somewhere, just enjoy the music. People are there for the music and everything else is kind of just like a added benefit. So yeah, that is, uh, kind of like where things are, at least in my head right now. I I feel like this weekend went by so quickly. I really don't even have anything to show for it. I mean, I I had to do some, some running, obviously, but now I'm just kind of sitting at home waiting to start my training run. I'm pretty good at the whole procrastinating thing. Like when I know that there's a run coming up, I'm pretty good at waiting until it's like dinner time and then being like, okay, well, if I don't go now, like I'm literally not going to go. And that really does force me um, out the door. So that's great. I'm getting very close to that, to that feeling. And, uh, oh God, man, these yawns, they begin me though. So I had some movie recommendations that I want to share with you guys in case you're looking for something to watch. So the first movie that I'm going to recommend to you is called Raising, sorry, it's called Raising Arizona. It's with Nick Cage and it's from the 1980s. It's so fucking bizarre. Highly recommended if you're a Nick Cage fan or if you're just, a, you know, looking for something new to watch. I also watched um, the JFK documentary from Oliver Stone called JFK Revisited. That was super fascinating. It's all about um, his assassination and whether or not there was one shooter or if it was multiple shooters orchestrated by um, domestic or international forces. So pretty much if it was a conspiracy theory or not. Or a conspiracy, I should say. And um, yeah, those two are pretty good. As far as TV shows, now that you've asked, a huge fan of Ted Lasso. If you guys have not seen Ted Lasso, you are like sorely missing out. It might be my favorite show of all time ever. And I want to give credit to my mother, Sharon, because I would have not watched this show if my mom had not recommended it. And I almost never do the things that my mom recommends. And I just want to say thank you, mom, because you really restored my faith in your recommendations. I will take my mom's advice, but I usually will not take my mom's recommendations. Um, but Ted Lasso was a game changer. I would say I have cried at 97% of episodes they are just so beautiful and the messages are so relatable. I just cannot speak highly enough of Ted Lasso. Please, if you get the chance to watch it, 
do so, you will thank me and I will thank my mother for you. What else is going on? You know high school reunions? I always think about high school reunions and not like every day, but like I would say the thought of my high school of a high school reunion comes up a few times a year and it's been coming up a few times a year since I was probably in middle school. So when I was in middle school, it was 2007 and 2008, I think. 10 to 2009. It was 2006 and 2007, I think. And in the United States, it's a really, um, it's like a popular theme in, at least it used to be a popular theme before the internet that you would go to your high school reunion and you would show all of your high school classmates that bullied you that you were actually the shit now and that they were the ones living pathetic lives. That was the, that was the gist of it. And, um, you can actually see this theme still popping up in movies like The Do-Over with Adam Sandler and David Spade. That's a good movie. Um, but yeah, you always see this theme of like the guys that like got treated like shit becoming successful and then kind of rubbing it in the face of the people that treated them badly. But now that the internet exists, I feel like that kind of doesn't really do it anymore. I don't know if we've even had a high school reunion. I'm pretty sure that we have not um, in, in my high school. But like, holy fuck, dude. If we did, I don't even know what that would look like. I know kids that I went to high school with that were such douchebags. And if I saw them now, I'm genuinely convinced that I would feel really badly for them. There have been kids that went to my high school um, that were douchebags that are dead now. Which is crazy to me. Or in jail. And it's um, it's just fucking bizarre. So, yeah, it's a it's a weird concept. This idea of like redeeming yourself as an adult, spending your entire adult life trying to overwrite any of the trauma that these kids um, forced you through, essentially, by working harder and you know climbing the corporate ladder and earning more money just to rub it in their face. Yeah, but now it's not really like essential anymore. Now people just have like Instagram, I guess. And every day is like a high school reunion. So yeah, that's weird. Man, you know what else is strange? It's like the kids, like the guys and girls, and I guess guys and guys and girls and girls, but I only know guys and girls from my high school that that eventually got married. That is a bizarre one because it's almost like I don't know, it's almost like settling in my mind. Like you found somebody that lived in your town and then you, and like that you've known since you were like a a young teenager and then you end up marrying them. It's almost like you never really left your town. But the couple that I'm thinking of did leave the town and they both went pretty far away from the town and eventually I guess they they got together and they got married. But it's just so bizarre and I think they have a kid. Just so fucking weird. Man, I'm so glad that I did not end up marrying anyone from my town or anyone that I dated, really. 
Like I think my quality of life would be so shit right now if I ended up with someone, anyone that I dated really, because I, I knew that they weren't the right person for me or else we would still be together. But it's just such a weird thought that like, you might cross paths with someone when you're 17 years old and then they end up being your forever. And you might know their parents because like their parents were like a teacher at your school or some shit. And it's almost like you never leave high school. So yeah. Um, if you're listening to this and you are married to your high school sweetheart, I'm sorry. I'm not shit talking. I'm just saying good for you. Uh, I just don't wish that on anyone because the chances of that actually working out seem quite low to me. But if you compare people getting married now to people getting married in like the 1950s, there there is something to be said about marrying somebody from your high school or from your hometown. Like when you don't have the option, like if you live somewhere very remote and you never leave your town and you end up with someone from your town, I feel like that's different because I, I think it sends a signal like from the beginning that like you're not going out there and and constantly comparing them to, you know, multitudes of different people, the way that you can on a dating app or the way that you can if you move somewhere like a big city and there's just literally thousands or millions of potential mates. But if but if you're living in a small town and you never really leave that town, I I almost just feel like it's like, okay, well, it probably has a higher chance of working out because you don't really have much much option. Um but I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a, like a dating coach or anything like that. I also don't have a dating coach, but I do have a running coach. So that's pretty cool. It's like a dating coach. Um, they tell me what to do to win, which is just like a dating coach, I think. Anyway, I feel like I've talked a lot. I'm going to check to see. Wow. I've only talked for 41 minutes feels like I've talked for like 141 minutes. <laughs> that was so stupid. Oh, guys. The sound problem is still really bothering me and it's just making me feel like I don't want to listen to my own voice right now. I just want... I just want this to sound normal, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on with it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just having um, my own issues. I told you that I have like this ear thing right now where I have to blow up a balloon with my nostrils, right? Um, if if you want to hear the full story, you should go back to episode 27. But yeah, it's been so weird blowing up a balloon with my nose. I just feel like I'm a little clown or something, like a little circus act. <sighs> But yeah, I'm not. Anyway, I think for today's episode, I'm glad that I recorded it. I'm glad that we got it out there. Um, if you're listening to this and you are married to your high school sweetheart, I'm sorry. Uh, if you're listening to this and you are one of the kids that gave me shit in high school, you should be sorry. Um, if you're listening to this and you're one of the girls that I went on dates with and you listened to my podcast before we went on dates, I'm sorry if I repeated myself. If your name is Noodle and you're on the couch right now and you're literally looking so miserable because you're like, I fucking hate this podcast. 
I'm sorry. And if you're my next door neighbor and you probably can hear this through your walls and then you might even listen to this, not that I know, um, based on the audience uh, metrics on Spotify, then I'm really sorry for you as well because just like Noodle, you have to listen to this live and then also again at some point in the future. Man, let's try to make this podcast like more exciting. I want to get I want to get like real guests. Like I want Joe Rogan's guests on my podcast, but I want I want Joe Rogan's guests, but like the the people that don't end up on podcasts normally, like but are extremely interesting and very talented and smart and maybe haven't written books yet. It'd be cool to get some uh some historians, some scientists, um, actors, uh, comedians. Yeah. It'd be just interesting to get, uh, people on here that have stuff that they want to say. And by the way, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking to yourself, holy fuck, why am I, why am I listening to this podcast? It's been 42 minutes and this guy has said nothing of value. This guy's never going to make it. If that's what you're thinking right now, you should go back to Joe Rogan's earlier episodes and just see how far he has come. And then you will realize that I'm also on a good trajectory. And that if I just keep doing this, one day these podcasts will make sense. And people will go back to episode one and be like, oh my God, he was so young. He didn't even know how to do the podcast when he started. He just started recording. And I'm still there, baby. Episode 28, and I still have not learned how to podcast. But we don't care. We're just moving forward. We're doing the best that we can. And uh, I'm drinking coffee. It's uh, four o'clock in the afternoon. I have my running clothes on. I'm looking super fucking fly. I'm getting ready to hop out the door, go take my little doggy for a walk, and then go for a nice long run. So I hope that this episode has been somewhat enlightening. If it has not been, don't worry. Most of my other episodes have not been either. So this kind of just falls right into place with them. And uh, I'm wishing you a great Sunday ahead. And if you're in New York, it's only 10 o'clock where you are. So I hope that you are making the most of your day and you should probably stop listening to this because the episode's over. All right, peace.